Well, we're so glad you're here with us at Harbor today. It's going to be an awesome day. We're excited because uh, today we're actually starting a brand new series called Who I'll Be in 2023. And um, we're not confused about what year it is. We know what year it is. Some of you might just go along with it if we said that it was 2023 because the last few years have been confusing and long. But the idea behind this series is this, is that who we are a year from now is really dependent on how we live this year. Who we are a year from now is really dependent on the decisions that we make this year. And so I want to preach a message today called The Risk of Safety. The Risk of Safety. And God, I just pray once again that as we open your word, that you would speak through me and that we would hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Men. So usually at the beginning of the year, what we do is we set goals and we make resolutions. And I'm a goals guy. I like setting goals. I like making resolutions. I like trying to push myself in different areas. But the truth is that most of the time, the goals that we set at the beginning of the year, most of the time, these goals are things that can be accomplished if we just exert a little more effort. If we just make a little more time, these aren't always goals that we need some kind of intervention on. These are goals that we can accomplish ourselves. And what this series is really about is I want us to, yes, make some goals this year, but I also think that it's important that we embrace the idea of making declarations over our lives for the next year. And the difference between a goal and a declaration is this, is that a goal is something we can accomplish on our own. We set out, we wake up early, we make the time, we do the things, and we accomplish the goal. But a declaration over our life speaks to what is possible when God is given the invitation to intervene in our lives. Uh, making a declaration is about something that cannot and would not happen if it weren't for God's intervention. And I believe that there is power in declarations. There's power in the words that we say. The, the book of Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, that we should speak life over ourselves. Romans 4.17 says that God calls things that are not as though they are. And I just really believe that there will be something that will shift in your life if you embrace the idea of making declarations of how you'll look one year from now. If you change the way you speak about yourself, about how you will look one year from now, if you begin to call things that are not as though they are. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you're just kind of reminded of how fragile life is. Like, I think usually we just go through life and we just assume that we and everybody we know and everybody that we come encounter with and everybody that we love is going to continue to be around every day of our lives. But we don't often acknowledge or recognize how fragile life actually is. And just this week, I got a call from my parents about a man who was about my dad's age, who I kind of grew up with and I knew really well and, and had been kind of involved in a lot of different areas of our lives growing up. Perfectly healthy guy, nothing wrong with him in his early 60s. And he, he suddenly died out of nowhere this week. He, he suddenly passed away. And his family is shocked. His friends are shocked. No one understands exactly what happened. They're kind of getting to the bottom of what exactly went on. But I was reminded of how fragile life is. I was reminded that, I was reminded that we don't ever know if we'll have tomorrow. 
that we are not promised tomorrow, that we don't know what our lives will look like. And it's interesting when you look at the final words of people. They've done studies on people's deathbed words. And by and large, people do not regret the things that they did. People regret the things that they did not have the courage to do. People regret the things that they did not step out and do. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you look back and you regret not taking a step that you should have taken. You regret not doing something that you should have done. A few years back, I was in Chicago with one of my friends, and we were at a conference, but we had a day of sightseeing, and so we went to the Sears Tower, which for a long time was one of the tallest buildings in the nation, and so it's similar to going into the World Trade Center or the, um, the Empire State Building, where there's like an observation deck where you can look out over the entire city, and when we were there, they had just installed these like phone booth-like things on like the hundredth floor of the Sears Tower. You're up on the observation deck. You're looking out over the whole city and you could step into this like phone booth thing that actually stepped out over the side of the building. All three sides were glass and the floor was glass. And so you could stand and look straight down a hundred stories. And and so the lines were kind of backed up for these things because they were new. And I was like, I'm in for a new experience. I'm going to check this out. So we wait and we wait and we get in line and it gets to my turn. And I kid you not, I physically could not step out. I looked and I saw a hundred stories down to the streets of Chicago. And there was just something in me that said, no, you are not doing, I I physically could not step out. And I'm not kidding. There was like this 12 year old girl behind me who after I took long enough, she said, do you mind if I go? My family's waiting. And I was like, no, that's fine. You can go. She literally steps out, lays down on the glass, takes a selfie and gets up and leaves. And and I'm like, I, there is no way I'm stepping out on this thing. Now those things have now been there for about 10 years. Zero people have crashed through the glass and died on the streets of Chicago. And when I look back on this moment, I regret not stepping out and just seeing what it felt like. I regret not just taking a moment and taking the step to see what it felt like. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you regret not doing something, but it's usually a lot more consequential than just not experiencing a tourist attraction. Usually when you look back and regret, it's about the faith steps that you did not take that could have changed the course of your life and the lives of the people around you. And what I know is that as people of faith, as followers of Jesus, we cannot afford to live lives of regret. We have to be able to trust God to step out in faith. And that's why our our declaration for the first week of who I will be in 2023 is this, that in 2023, I will not have regret from the risks I did not take in 2022. Because so often what we end up and do is we look back on the year before when we come to the end of the year, and if we're really honest, we really just kept doing the same thing that we've always done year after year after year. And I think 2022 needs to be a year where we take some steps where we have to trust God to be the answer in those steps. And there's a story in scripture that I think so often is completely misunderstood and sometimes misconstrued, and I don't think we totally understand the significance of it. And it's in Matthew chapter 14. And this story is on the heels of Jesus, one of the longest stretches we see in the New Testament of Jesus preaching and ministering to people. He's healing people. He's just performed a miracle where he feeds 5,000 people with just a small amount of food. And then beginning in verse 22, it says this, 
Matthew says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, I think that Peter gets a really bad rap in this story. I mean, we remember this story as Jesus walking on water and Peter sinking. The the heading in the Bible is Jesus walks on water. And we always focus on this idea that Peter sunk. And yet Peter is the only disciple and the only other human that we know of that for even a moment walked on water, had the faith to take steps to step out on the water. And I would ask you today, what steps are you taking this year that require so much faith that you actually might sink a little bit? that you actually might need God to intervene and to pull you up because it is such a big faith risk, because it is such a big step of faith. See, what I think is interesting about this story is that the disciples in the boat, they didn't need Jesus to intervene. But, but the reason they didn't need Jesus to intervene is because they were not interested in attempting to do what Jesus was doing. They did not step out on the water. They did not take steps on the water. See, see, Peter took this moment, he saw what Jesus was doing, and he said, I would like to take some steps and attempt to do what you are doing. And yeah, he sunk. Yeah, he got a little wet. But guess what? Jesus picked him up and got him back to where he needed to be. He's the only one that actually ended up taking steps on the water. And I think it's interesting the way that Peter asks Jesus to prove himself. Because we all, in one way or another, ask Jesus to prove himself to us. We all in one way or another ask God to prove himself to us. And it's often by asking him to do something for us. God, if it's really you, would you intervene in this situation? God, if it's really you, would you get this promotion for me? God, if it's really you, would you bring healing into this situation for me? There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But there's something very different about what Peter said in this moment. Look at it with me in verse 28. Peter says something very different than I think we often say. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He says, God, if it's you, tell me. God, if it's you, call me to do something that I could not do if you were not here. God, if it's you, call me to do something I would have never imagined. I would have never imagined stepping out in faith on walking on water. I would have never thought of the concept of walking on water. But God, if it's you, call me to do something I never even dreamed was possible. Something I never even dreamed that I could do. See, so often our prayer, or or what would happen if our prayer was, God, what could you do with my life that I could never dream up? 
What could you do with my life that I could never imagine? See, so often we want God to do something miraculous for us when God wants to do something miraculous through us. We want to see him do something for us, and he wants to do something through us. I think we walk through most years being content with being those disciples that were sitting on the boat. We walk through most years being content to watch God do miracles. We, 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 we sit through life, watching life pass us by, watching other people do things, but we never actually step out of the boat. See, the disciples on the boat, they saw a miracle, but Peter got to participate in a miracle. He, he got to actually take a few steps on water. But I think there are some things that tend to cause us to not take steps of faith. There are things that tend to cause us to stay in the boat. Well, one of those things is so clearly fear. And I think over the last few years, maybe more than any other time, we have seen fear paralyze people from doing things. We have seen fear paralyze people from stepping out in faith. We have seen people embrace fear in a way like we've never seen before. But I, I think there are some more specific things if we really bear down that keep us from taking steps of faith. And the first one is this. So often we don't take steps of faith because we're waiting for the perfect conditions. We're waiting for the perfect conditions. If I'm really honest, this is one that I struggle with. I like conditions to be perfect. Whatever I am stepping out into, I like the conditions to be perfect. I am too often the guy who needs to have a conversation with somebody, and I actually meet with them, and I actually sit down with them, but then I decide the timing wasn't really right. The conditions weren't really perfect, so I'll delay it until a little bit later. And we so often want the conditions to be perfect, and this is what I love about Peter. I love this about Peter. It's storming. Like, they're having a hard time in the boat. It says that the wind and the waves were buffeting the boat. The conditions were no good for being out on the water. The conditions were not good for even being in a boat on the water, and yet Peter sees Jesus, and he says, call me out to walk on the water. In these conditions, call me out to walk on the water. See, if you're bold enough to ask God to call you into something new, he just might do it in the middle of a storm. He just might do it before the wind and the waves are calm. I always think it's funny that it says when they got back in the boat, the wind and the waves died down. What well, Jesus, maybe if you had calmed the wind and the waves before I stepped out, I wouldn't have sunk. Maybe if you had calmed them before I stepped out, things would have gone a little bit smoother. See, I think so often when God calls us to step out, we expect for the conditions to clear up before we actually have to take that step. We expect for everything to be smooth before we actually have to take that step. And yet Peter had to walk out in the wind and the waves. See, I think it's interesting that the Bible says the reason that Peter sunk was that he saw the wind and the waves. But, but if you think about it, before Peter saw the wind and the waves and sunk, he saw the wind and the waves and he stepped he was not immune to the wind and the waves before he took the step. He knew that the wind and the waves were there. And I think so often this is what happens to us is that God calls us to take a step of faith. And maybe even in the midst of the worst conditions, we have the courage to take that step. But then when things don't clear up and we look around and we see that things still haven't quite died down, the wind and the waves still haven't died down, suddenly we are afraid of the thing that we just stepped in faith in the midst of. 
suddenly the very same thing that was no big deal for God is now a concern of ours. Suddenly the thing that that God was intervening, he was allowing us to take steps, but we see it once again and we're afraid and we begin to sink. See, sometimes we need to remember how far we've come. Peter is taking steps on the water in the wind and the waves. Like you would think just seeing that miracle would be enough. You think seeing that miracle of, of experiencing himself walking on water would be enough for him to realize that if I can do this, God can handle these wind and these waves. But this is so often what happens to us. We get in the middle of our circumstances. We get in the middle of taking these steps and we begin to focus more on the wind and the waves rather than keeping our eyes on the one who is calling us, rather than keeping our eyes on Jesus. This is what we so often do. We have to keep our eyes fixed on him. Many of you know that as we moved here to Plant Harbor Church, it was not under the greatest of conditions. It was in March of 2020, and it felt a little bit like the entire world was unraveling. And we had multiple people in that time as things began to get more and more and more difficult. We had multiple people who said to us, listen, everyone will understand if you decide not to move under these conditions. If under these conditions, everyone will understand if you decide not to move. But what we realize and what we were committed to is that if you're going to live a life without regret, you have to learn to take steps based on the call and not the conditions. You have to take steps based on the call, not the conditions. You evaluate the call, not the conditions, and you step out. We have to quit waiting for the perfect conditions. The second thing that so often keeps us from taking steps of faith is that we're waiting to feel qualified. We're waiting to feel qualified. Here's what I know about the group of disciples that were in that boat. None of them were qualified to walk on water. None of them were qualified to do the thing that Peter asked Jesus to ask him to do. But he stepped out anyway. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt completely unqualified or you saw someone doing something that was so much more qualified than you are? Uh, Kristen and I went to a wedding. It was October of 2020. One of our best friends was getting married and he's kind of in the music industry now. And so there were kind of some up and coming artists at this wedding that were involved in the wedding. And one of the guys that was there has actually been like a fairly successful like hip hop and R&B artist. And he was in the wedding. And he was a really great guy, really nice guy, super cool-looking dude. Like, you ever see people that you're like, that is a cool-looking person? (laughs) This was a cool-looking person. And he had, like, this killer long afro. And it was kind of a bummer because we were wearing the same suit because that's how weddings work. And and when we left the hotel, I was feeling real good about my look. Uh, you know, like sometimes you just, you have a suit, it's tailored, like everything feels cool. Like some of it was like stuff that I wouldn't wear because the guy that was getting married was cooler than I am. So I had to wear what he decided. And I was like, I mean, I think I'm pulling this off. This is crazy. And then, uh, and then we get there and my guy, Manny, who's the guy I'm talking about, he rolls up and we're wearing the exact same thing, but he looks so much cooler than I do. 
Like he, he looks just significant. There is no, he looks significantly cooler than I do. So we go through the wedding, we do the wedding and the bride and the groom, they tell us, they're like, listen, uh, this is, you know, all the restrictions have just been listed here in Nashville and people are kind of like, they don't know what we're going to do at the reception, but we want people to dance. So if you're in the wedding party after dinner, when they start the music, we want the wedding party to just go right for it. Kind of like give permission, you know, let people know like, Hey, we're doing this. And I'm like, that's fine. Kristen and I, we're like not dancers, but if at a wedding, we're going to, we're going to be on the dance floor and we're going to have a good time. So we're all finishing up dinner. We're eating dinner. We see the DJ kind of get in place and he starts rocking uh, Bruno Mars Uptown Funk. Great first song, killer first song because everybody's finishing up dinner and it starts out kind of chill. You know what I mean? Like it starts out with that little bass line. And everybody's looking around like, oh, we're going to, everybody gonna, everybody's good, right? We're going to do this, right? We're going to do this, right? And so all the wedding parties eyeing each other up. Like, remember, we were told that we have to go, but everybody's waiting for somebody to go first. We're all waiting. We're all watching. We're all looking. Manny, the R&B artist, is at my table. And we're sitting there. We're right next to the dance floor. I swear to you, when the bass line of that song dropped, he spun out of his chair like a choreographed move. And he started doing this incredible choreographed dance to Uptown Funk. Kristen, as my witness, he points at his wife, like a scene out of a movie. And she's like, oh, who, me? Like this kind of thing. And then she spins out of her chair. And they start like choreographed dancing in the middle of the dance floor to Uptown Funk. And all I can say about the way this man was dancing is that it was like the way that the human anatomy was designed to respond to this song. Like there is no, it was like, this is perfect. Nobody can do any better than this. And as he was out there and he's like doing his thing, I'm looking at Kristen like, not a chance. There is no chance that I'm going to go out on the dance floor with my white self in this same suit and try to compete with what is happening in the middle of that dance floor. It is not happening. And I think that's so often what we do when God calls us is that we so quickly, we're we're like, no, actually, you know what? I think it looks better on them. Like their moves are way better. I think that I'm not going to get on the dance floor. I think that I'm not going to step out and do what I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to step out and do what I have been told to do because someone else is already doing it better. And Kristen and I, I, honest, we, we ended up only going out on the dance floor twice that night. Cha cha slide. And Cupid Shuffle. You know what those two songs have in common? Everybody does the exact same thing. Nobody's showing anybody up. Everybody's doing the same moves. They're doing exactly what the song tells you to do. And this is how we live life. As long as we can look around and everybody else is doing the same thing and I don't have to be accountable for the way I look, then I'll get out and do my thing. But if I have to get out and be accountable for the way I look, if I have to be the one that looks a little bit crazy, if I have to be the one who it feels like in this moment I'm sinking, then I'm not going to get out there. And yet this is what Peter did. Peter chose to be out on the dance floor. And yeah, he sunk, but at least he was on the dance floor. And Jesus bailed him out in that moment. And I think so often we're just waiting to feel qualified. We're waiting to step out until we feel like we can nail it. We're waiting to step out until we can feel like it can be perfect. When God is just calling us to take the steps and trust him to take care of the rest. Take the steps and trust him to be there to save us if we need saving. Trust him to pull us up if we need to be pulled up because that's exactly what he did. See, the disciples in the boat and Peter, they all made it to the other side. They all made it to the other side. The end of the story is not that Peter stepped out, he sunk, and Jesus said, oh, you didn't have enough faith, I'm going to let you drown. 
That would not be a great story. The, the, the story ends with Peter getting pulled up by Jesus, put back in the boat, and they all make it to the other side, but only one of them walked on water. Only one of them had the faith to even attempt what Jesus was calling them to do. And I think so often we're sitting back and we're waiting to be qualified when we just need to take the steps. If God is calling, take the steps. Number three, finally, is that so often we don't take steps of faith because we are obsessed with the outcome. We're obsessed with the outcome. When I read this story, sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, would Peter have stepped out of the boat if he knew he was going to sink? Would Peter still have chosen to take those few steps on the water if he knew that he wasn't going to make it all the way to Jesus, if he knew that he was going to begin to sink? Like, I wonder how the conversation would have gone down if Peter had said, Jesus, call me to you. And Jesus said, okay, you're going to take two steps, and then you're going to start sinking. Like, I don't know if Peter would have stepped out. I don't know if Peter would have taken those steps. But see, so often, that's what we do. See, history remembers Peter as someone, not who walked on water, but who sunk and had to be bailed out of trying to walk on water. And I think that sometimes we want to know how things are going to turn out before we're willing to take the step. We know the step we're supposed to take, but then we follow up. And we're like, God, I'll take the step, but just tell me how it's going to turn out. Tell me if I'm going to sink or swim. Tell me if I'm going to make it. See, so often we find ourselves more concerned with outcome than obedience. More concerned with outcome than obedience. When we were kind of in the process of moving here and getting here and planting the church, one of the things that my pastor, Andrew Gard, said that I'll never forget is he said, you can make a pros and cons list, and that's really helpful, but you cannot evaluate fruit from a step you do not take. You cannot evaluate fruit from a step you choose not to take. You can try to guess what would happen. You can try to make an idea of what would happen, but there is no way to evaluate the fruit from a step you don't take. All you are responsible for is obedience. See, the burden of outcome will keep you from taking steps of obedience. It will keep you from taking steps of obedience. See, we've got to get to a place where success just means obedience where success just means taking the steps that we're supposed to take. I might sink, I might end up needing to be bailed out, but I did what I was supposed to do. And so this morning, I would ask you, what is keeping you from taking the steps you're supposed to be taking? What is keeping you from taking the faith risks that God has called you to? Because I think as we, as we head through the rest of this year, we know the steps that we are supposed to take. And if we don't, we need to pray. We need to understand. We need to ask God, what are the steps that you want me to take? But then when we know those steps, we've got to take those steps. We got, we got to take those steps. We cannot be burdened by the outcome. We cannot wait until we feel qualified. We have to take those steps in faith. And I want 2022 to be a year where we step out in faith so that when we get to 2023, we look back and we say, man, I, I am a person who takes steps of faith. I am a person who takes steps of faith. Will you just bow your heads with me all across this room this morning?